Johnny, thank you so much for having us here. Thank you guys for coming. This is very exciting. The day before your wedding. Yes. Which is crazy to me that you even let us do this. <laughs> <laughs> Alex, uh, uh, Alex, when she proposed it, uh, we saw the email come through and I said to her, I was like, yeah, why not? not you know, put more things on the schedule. We'll have a good time. <laughs> it's something we're into as well. So it works out very well. Yeah. And we, you know, Scott was asking you, I think earlier about the artwork, which is very towards that vein of Dungeons and Dragons, like fantasy land, that kind of thing. Yes. So we had proposed the, the brand with the identity of it being a tell your own story line. And we would give you the names of the characters and the names of the places and the locations. And you as the consumer would tell your own story, mm-hmm. trying to impose a Dungeons and Dragons-esque theme to it. And we found that a lot of, you know, your general mass consumers are like, don't get it at all. And they're like, well, who is the Cursed King? And who is the Savage Queen? And what is Neptune's dagger? And what ended up happening is we decided to do it. We did a rebrand or a refresh of our labels very quickly into our company timeline. I think we launched in 2017, 2018. We came in with a whole new, like, fresh lineup but from 2017 to late 2018 we had already developed 20 something brands mm-hmm. uh, and i think we've only done about 14 labels to date but uh, we continue to keep telling the storyline uh, we continue to keep adding locations places people you name it and uh, we do that with a different label format but yes the the entire premise was dungeons and Dra- dungeons and dragon-esque <laughs> that's awesome did you did you get any pushback or side comments when you kind of changed the vibe from what you were originally doing with your labels to kind of switching it up so it was more approachable from i want to say the general public but not necessarily the general public but did you see any kind of like people were like what happened no actually as soon as we launched it we had gotten instantaneous like positive feedback oh, okay. uh, yeah it was from like the we i believe we dropped savage queen was the first label we dropped and then we dropped another one and another one. It just kept continuously going down the lineup. Um, but it was nothing but positive feedback. That's awesome. Yeah. So I remember we had uh, Savage Queen way, 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 way back. And it was just like the Armada logo, like your normal logo. Yep. And did you change that? From so then? it was like a purple, it was a purple label yep. with like a vanity mirror that had mm-hmm. like a step and repeat and it was um, in a can. It had kind of no, like No, 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 the bottle. Oh yeah, the bottles. Yeah, yeah the so bottle. it was a bottle. Yep. And um, they all kind of had the same similar like look, right? Yep. They and all had the same just... similar look. The icon, they, the icon was what had changed. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to make sure I remember The icon is what would change and we would uh, change that sequence pattern off for each label but it fell into a kind of like an old school, like Victorian, like repetitive pattern mm-hmm. in the background while in front, it kind of just showed the Armada logo with the Savage Queen name um, over the front. Okay. I don't have actually, I don't have any of the original, I have the labels, but I don't have any original like bottles. I, I'm not, I'm not a hoarder. We had a couple up until we moved about two years ago. We had yeah. a couple that were up on our mantle. To be fair, we are beer hoarders yeah. of beer bottles and beer art. Yeah, I, that don't, was... I don't hold on that. No, that's, that's <laughs> probably a good thing. 
So can you give I'll us like a, a background on how you guys started? I know you started at Overshores, right? Yeah, we started at Overshores. So Alexandra and I met 12 years ago. Well, yeah, 11, 12 years ago. And uh, it started off as a hobby. I was doing it in my household on the kitchen stovetop destroying the kitchen stove tops and we were renting these apartments too. <laughs> Alexandra will say that I destroyed the kitchen stove tops more than I did, but uh, I think I did a really good job. Did you get up afterwards? Did you get your security deposit back? We always did. Then you were fine. Oh, there was clean. one, there was one girl that we had. I, I wrote, her name was actually like kind of repulsive and we knew the moment we sent us these like this lady's going to be a you know, like we knew it was going to be awful to work with her, but she was kind of a pain in the butt, but we didn't mind it too bad. That was the main place that a lot of the homebrewing took place in. Mm -hmm. And I ended up moving a lot of the homebrewing from the kitchen stove top, growing it out from the five gallon kettle to like 10 and 15 gallons. And that's where I really took it seriously at that time. And that apartment went from there, was entering in homebrew competitions at this time, having feedback from professionals and judges and telling you what you're doing good, doing bad. Also was working at a homebrew store in Chicago. Yep. Homebrew store in Chicago was called Brew and Grow. I had a really good opportunity to uh, ask a lot of questions and get paid to do it. Yeah. So I got to uh, work with a, a couple of people there that had a lot more knowledge than me and also get to meet a lot of like industry professionals. Ray Daniels, Randy Mosier, Jeff. Oh man, I can't remember all the names, but there was a lot of people I got to meet in this time and question them, ask them. They were these people who wrote books. Mm -hmm. I was yeah. reading the books and these guys were walking through the door. I'm like, oh, oh, you're, you're this guy? Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, I have a little homebrew question for you. Can you sign my homebrew book? Yeah, yeah right. Uh, I do respect people as a human, <laughs> human to some degree. I'm like I said, I'm not a hoarder, so I don't like collect those. I don't yeah, I'm no. gonna collect it. You but <laughs> I know, yeah. I uh were those the books that were like one book per style of beer? Yes. I so some of the people those. Yeah, those I never great. met like Stan Hieronymus and mm -hmm. some of the other people, but there was a lot of these guys that walked through the store there. And Chicago was a major city. Yeah. And uh we was would get home? people walking through all the time. Was a major city. It was a major city. I like Shelton though. Yeah. <laughs> so that's where my the, my beginnings happened, and I had wrote up a business plan. Well, during this time, I working at the homebrew store. I watched a bunch of smaller brands come to fruition. So 18th Street, Microphone, Beguile, Spiteful. There was a bunch of small like homebrewers that were my customers that would. Like we're making beer in our home and they would progress into the professional realm. Let's call it that. Yeah. Yeah. So from there, I'm trying to think, sorry, my brain is a little like brain farting right now. I was like, uh, <laughs> we got a lot going on. I do. I do. And I'm also trying to put it all back together. I don't, I tell this story. I used to tell the story a lot during the first like two years of the company yeah. and I haven't brought it back, but yeah, I was a homebrew manager, a homebrew store manager, watch all these guys progress. I saw that they did it and I just asked them questions like, Hey, you know, what did you do to go from homebrewer to pro? And a lot of them did it with their own money. Some of them got small investors. They started off as collaborative brewery spaces and particularly Pipeworks was one of those mm -hmm. places that had oh, yeah. 18th street in there with them. They also had microphone brewing in there with them as well. And so when I was writing my business plan, I had multiple different avenues to take it down. I was like, I'm going to start a brewery. It's going to be X amount of barrel size. I'm going to also, you know, this is if I can get 
my million dollars, I'm going to make it this size. And mm-hmm. this is how we're going to do it. Originally, the business plan was written for Chicago. And ha- Alexandra and I had come to Connecticut for a holiday, Christmas, I believe it was. And we went around. We're like, let's go on a brewery tour. Let's go check out some of the spaces around here. Yeah. And we're like, Google, take me to the brewery. <laughs> it was like four results. We're like... <laughs> Oh. Connecticut only has like uh, yeah. five breweries, maybe four yes. or five breweries. Google's yeah. not a sponsor. Yeah, yeah Google's, <laughs> Google's not a sponsor. Sorry, uh, use Bing. <laughs> no, definitely not. DuckDuckGo, sorry. Yeah, DuckDuckGo. Uh, sure. Anyways, so. What what time frame was this? This was early 2014. Yeah, 20, there were not there was very not many. many. There I was, I want to say, Overshorts is brewery number eight. Yeah. To give you like wow. example. I, th- I think we tell this story quite a bit because Scott and I and Aaron have been here quite a while. We remember when it was like three to five breweries in Connecticut and that was it. Yep. Yeah. And then there was the the rule that you couldn't actually drink at the brewery. So you right. can only take out. So New England got around that by like doing these Friday nights at their place where they just gave out final Fridays. Beer, yeah. Final Fridays. Yeah. Yeah. Final Fridays. But yeah, the beer scene here was... Dead. It was, it was pretty much really, dead. It was uh, huh. draconian laws that yeah. restricted the growth of an <laughs> exactly. industry. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, two roads. Loss. When two roads came in, is who really changed the game? They they came in with money. They came in with lawyers. They came in. We're like, guys, what are you sleeping on right now? This is a big industry. It's going to grow, and we have to give a lot of credit to them. Phil, the entire team over there, did a lot for our legislature to bring us up to to par at the time. Yeah, up mm-hmm. to par. Yeah, uh, they didn't. No one could ever foresee where the growth was, and as those laws were written, they actually somebody—I don't know who it was—somebody when they wrote those laws made them very restrictive, even when they changed them. They just—they're they're trying to like die it down. Yeah. They didn't want to see the growth of it. Probably big bud money or whatever. Yeah, you know, AB and Bev. <laughs> sure, maybe. <laughs> Let's blame yeah. it on somebody. Yeah, <laughs> and, and, and all things. So we came out here. Eight breweries, I want to say it was, because Overshores was around on that that time. I think it was like their first year. Mm-hmm. Two Roads is where we visited. And at the time, I'll be honest with you, beer sucked. Beer sucked. <laughs> My personal opinion is it's average. I think they make very good beer. And they make beer for a lot of big brands. So to like, if they if they haven't learned how to improve their beer by making beer for these bigger brands, then that's a big failure on their end. But they make hundreds and hundreds of barrels a year of really good beer. I didn't know that they were so involved in they creating big, the craft beer market out here in huge, Connecticut. Yeah. Huge. That's instrumental. Yeah. Um, well, it's, it's very similar to what Dogfish had did for Delaware. We talked about that. I think the last, our last time we all got together, we did a Dogfish Head beer was the beer that we did. And one of the big things about Dogfish Head was that uh, Sam Clausione went and changed the laws like yeah, that. he had to yeah. fight for a lot. Yeah. There was a lot of early footage you can see when Dogfish came to be that they they lobbied and uh, were up there fighting for everything. He ended up being the president of like the Brewers Guild and whatnot. Yeah, and so exactly. Yeah, yeah, he definitely uh, let's call the word pioneer mm-hmm. like the growth of Delaware craft beer. And I think Two Roads has that stake in Connecticut because they were able to change. The, the really draconian laws and bring them to where they are. And let's fast forward now because yeah. there was a lot of it uh, also a lot of things that had to be changed afterwards. And um, so Armada comes in. I had proposed the idea 2014, made this visit at this time. Our daughter was not born yet. 
Mm -hmm. uh, Alexander was still pregnant. And I had proposed this idea. I was like, you know, this whole brewery idea I want to do. Like, what if we, what if we moved to Connecticut? You know, Chicago at the time had 75 breweries and they were all flourishing, but there was a market that was completely untapped and it was Connecticut. I mean, where there were eight, there were eight with a few brew pubs, like Willimantic was a brew pub. They don't, call, they don't count under that brewery thing. They're a different category, a Willimantic bar and a few other places. Me and my buddy from high school started a brewing company in Connecticut around 2009 oh. because I was brewing. He and I were brewing together. And we, we were like, this is a completely untapped market, just as, you know, you've, you said. Obviously, we didn't get our shit together. <laughs> Clearly. We didn't get our shit together. <laughs> We're doing podcasts now. Yeah. <laughs> didn't get our shit together. And no, it's fine. Like, we had good recipes, but... It was some pretty delicious beer that you pumped out during that time. We made some good beers, but... So you guys decided to oh, move actually, to Connecticut. The other thing that I did do was... Sorry, to cut you off. Uh, I went to school, and I graduated in 20. 12, so a little bit not before you got here. Yeah, definitely not. I paid them. You should just bleep <laughs> out. Don't even say, like, yeah. like I went to I went bleep. To <laughs> yeah. I like I that idea. idea. And then keep the not a sponsor <laughs> comment. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, make it so much. Like, wait, who the frick are they talking about? Yeah. So I had a, uh, it was a write your own business plan was the class. I was it. write a business plan. And I was like, perfect. I'm going to write a business plan with my buddy, we wasn't going to school, but I'm just going to do it anyway for a brewery. But there was somebody else in the class that was doing a brewery business plan. It happened to be the guy from. Yeah. Yes. Okay. But he didn't have any recipes. He didn't know how to brew beer. He just thought it was a great idea. And I was like, wow. okay, was I'm he... not going to partner with you. So I partnered with my other friend and we didn't do a business plan for brewery, unfortunately. Puppets. Yeah. Fucking educational puppet theater. Uh, you want to be a puppet? So like. A... Not me. There's somebody else. did. <laughs> Like a, a, what's the word? Like a tranquilist? Uh, uh, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. A puppeteer. Yeah. I, I, I think it's like. Ventriloquist. Yeah. Huh? A tranquilist. Yeah, right yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's about when I was like, I don't, I don't think I can, I don't think I can do this. So we gave up on the idea. We, we shut the business down, but um, I have no idea what happened with that. I just got a, a A minus in the class. So you'd be happy with that. Okay. So Let's hear it. moving on. Okay. Back yes, to you. yes. Yes. All right. So, <laughs> so yeah, migrated Chicago to Connecticut. So which is 20, absolutely wild. That's yes. Absurd. So 2014, the idea was like, I seeded the idea and our daughter was born November, 2014, a year had passed and we're now in 2015. Our lease was about to expire on our building, our, our apartment. And so I had said to her that like, Hey, you know, instead of renewing, we should really try and explore the idea of just what if we just move to Connecticut and get this whole brewery idea started? And she was down with it. She was down for it at the moment, you know. And, and there's a lot of there's a lot of discussions afterwards. Trials and, whatnot, and tribulations. But, so we ended up moving back at the we at least ended 2016, and then we ended up moving from Connecticut to uh, sorry Chicago to Connecticut. And I came out here with just walking around to people and I went to breweries. I was like, hey, do you have any space? Like, you know, oh, sorry, I should, I should back up. We moved here in 2016 and I originally started looking for places, but I was also looking for jobs. So I was walking around and I applied for a couple of jobs at some breweries, gave them my experience and bing, bang, boom. I got a couple of jobs. I've worked at one place. I don't want to name any of the places I worked at. I don't know if they want to take any credit to me or <laughs> they'd be bashful. But anyways... 
I worked at a few breweries uh, just while I was looking for places. I actually got fired from one brewery because I was trying to start a space and they weren't too happy with it, but that's in the past. (laughs) But I kept looking for properties and it was very hard to find what we were looking for. We wanted a brick building. Like there's something about a brick building. We could not find it in New Haven. I started working with economic development as early as 2016, introduced myself. I had a business plan, proposed it. And that's how I get to meet some of the individuals in the city. And so Alexandra had taken our daughter to Bulgaria for a trip. Uh, Her family's from there. And it kind of opened me up a little bit more time. I didn't have to do any parent work. I didn't have to do, like I just had free time to do whatever. So I kept going around and going around and I was working but going around trying to find properties and I could not find what we were looking for. I wanted to find a property. I was also trying to find investors and I had say a couple grand, like not much, Yeah. but I was trying to like plant those seeds. And then I came to Overshores one day just to ask him, I was like, you know, listen, we check out this place. I'm in the neighborhood. I'm going to check out Overshores. And I walk into this building and it's 11,000 square feet. It's 11,000 square feet and it's empty. It's like most of it was empty. And I'm looking around I'm like, hello, is anybody out there? You know, and Christian, the owner had been, uh, he was on the brew deck that day and I was just chatting with him, asked him questions, told him about like, you know, I'm looking for a property. Uh, I said that, you know, you, I, I think I just, I was like, do you need any help? It's like, it looks like you have a lot going on. I'd love to help you out. I'm not looking for any money, just, uh, whatever. And during that time, I also had mentioned that, like, I'd be looking I'd also be interested in starting up my own brand. And then I kept showing up to Overshores. And then I told him the whole plan. I was like, hey, you have 11,000 square feet. What if I like buy a fermenter? I'll make the beer. I'll pay for the fermenter. I'll install it myself. I'll do all that. I'll pay for all that. Pay for the ingredients. I'll package it up and I just distribute it. And all you need to do is just take care of the paperwork. He was like, no, I don't like the idea. (laughs) (laughs) I don't like the idea. And so I just, I, I kept proposing. I was like, you know, let's do it. Let's do it. And he's like, all right, fine. You know, and, and this is like weeks. <laughs> shut up. Yeah, this is like yeah, weeks after. And I don't think he thought, it took me as serious until like we showed up with a truck one day and there was a, there was a <laughs> tank <laughs> on the back of the truck. And he was like, and, and I, well, I talked to him all the time, but I don't think he ever took me serious about it. And I showed up with a fermenter and I remember I called a buddy that was a, a fellow home brewer bill to like, Hey, I have a fermenter coming to stay. Do you want to come and like unload it with me? It's kind of like, I got, I got a prize. You yeah. know? <laughs> <laughs> so we uh, brought it in, we loaded it up and I installed it, uh, broke into, I literally had to like shut down his whole brew house system and tap into the brew, house, uh, tap into the glycol, the cooling system, yep, yep. added our fermenter in and did all this work. And I got it up and going and I think Christian had a semi heart attack in the moment, uh, but I got it done. Made our first beer a couple weeks later. Uh, had Justin from Bare Hands Brewing. They're out in Putnam. Justin yeah. was a guy that I was also a home brewer with. That uh, I, I said, hey, would you like to come on down and make beer for me at 9 o'clock at night? And we're going to stay up until like 1. And then, well, you know, you have to drive three hours home. Yeah. You know, whatever. <laughs> Sounds like a dream. Yeah, yeah no doubt. Yeah, but, but we, I think we all have that passion. Like that drive is like, yeah, like let's get the thing out on the, the big system. So I made the first beer. I don't remember the exact date. So don't, don't mean to interrupt you. What was the recipe? It was Curse King. Oh, okay. It was Curse King. Hell was, yeah. Uh, that was the first beer we ever That's made. That's fucking awesome. Cool. So we made that. 
and a couple weeks later, I had posted something online because we had a couple followers on Instagram. We were doing homebrew events and other things. Posted this thing online, and we said like, "Hey, if anybody is interested in helping us bottle, we have our first batch of beer coming out." I also reached out to a bunch of friends. I texted them. I was like, "Hey, I'm gonna need some help. I don't know who's gonna show up." We ended up having like twenty something people on the first day. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah, and I made then that first day. I made so many like relationships because it was like these people don't know who the heck I am. I don't know who the heck they are. Like ninety percent of them, I don't know who they are. Yeah, but they all showed up. My aunt showed up. Friends I went to high school with showed up. I don't know who my aunt is. A bunch of like random homebrewers. Yeah, yeah, you know your aunt showed up. Yeah. yeah. So there was just a bunch of randos that just came to this event. And it was really fun because it was like a networking thing and it felt like communal. It was beautiful. It was like we were building this community. And so we made the first beer and now like we had to sell it. I'm giving you a long story, by the way. No, this is great. This is great. It's fantastic. Yeah. So we had to go sell it. So uh, I packaged up all this beer with all these people that I had no clue they were, but I gave everyone beer. I was like, your payment for showing up is beer. Yes. Oh, yes. I would have been there. Oh, I, that's the best probably. reason to show they up. Had, they yeah. had the best reward. You know, they got cases of beer. And, uh, and some of them have those bottles that you were talking about, those bottles. Yeah. yeah, we had like a process going down. Like we literally filled it by hand, mm-hmm. 15 barrels of beer is so much Jeez. to That's fill by hand. Lot yeah. Like beer. you don't understand. I was like, I was forcing these guys into like 10 hours of slave work, <laughs> yeah. you know, to do it. And, but they believed in this dream and I still, I can't, there's not enough gratitude they for them to this believed day. in the promise of beer that you were giving. Yes. They were like, I just want to get drunk. If nothing else. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> As we do in our journey. We did have a few people walk out <laughs> on the whole entire session, but. <laughs> I bet, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm done with this. <laughs> yeah, fuck this shit, grandma. All right. Making pierogies. I'm done with this. <laughs> yeah, so. Labor of love. Gosh, we ended up cracking it up and I had to sell it. And I tell this story because it's one of the most like impactful stories. Like my, our daughter has been part of this brand from like the day, day it started. No doubt. And she was there on bottling days. So was my, my soon to be wife, you know, Alexandra, we've been together for 12 years. They, uh, they had been there. They watch us happen. They were supportive, but Skylar was there on the bottling days and she was like one, like she barely could walk and you now they're hanging out. And, uh, during the day, Alexandra would go to work. And then uh, I would take care of the kid. And then when we started the brewery, now I would take the kid and go sell beer. So I would put Skylar's car seat in the middle of the cross track yeah. with like cases of beer next to her. Yeah. And then we would go around to the stores and I'd go around to the stores. And I'd be like, hey, can you buy this beer so you can feed my kid? <laughs> yeah, you pull, roll down the window. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, is that kid The entire time. Yeah, uh, but in all seriousness, I, I, we, I, she did go out. Actually, she was there for the first like six to eight months of like beer sales. She was there in the car. We would drive around. I filled the car because I didn't know how it worked. I was out self distributing, so I show up the accounts. I just took people's word. I was like, "Hey, we're this brand. Blah blah blah. Here's my beer. Pay me in thirty days." And some people pay me cash on the spot. They kind of saw the situation and they just kind of believed in us. That's awesome. Also, your beer kind of sells itself after a point, right? Because you drink it and you like taste the quality, taste the recipe. Like, all right, this will sell. Yeah. Even even at that time, I think people were impressed. I think we did have, uh, did we have a little bit of a beginner's luck? Because I I was making good beer. We always have been like quality focused on it. I did have a lot of amazing, amazing mentors to teach me 
how to do it. I also went to like beer judging, all that stuff. Competitions. You know, yeah. you know well, I was judging competitions oh, yeah. and I also got certified to be a judge. So like quality was there and being able to determine all flavors and whatnot was part of it. There's a whole another realm of a story I can get into, yeah. but we knew the beer was good and we were always confident in that. We were always confident in that. Yeah. But trying to convince other people to even try it was a big thing. Yeah. You wouldn't be surprised how many like, people don't drink beer as beer buyers. Like, yeah. how yeah. do you have that job? Uh, <laughs> yeah. don't, you don't get high on your own supply. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> but uh, the Beer Collective is the first bar to buy our beer. That was a, a bar, beer bar in New Haven. Yep. The first place to ever buy our beer to go was a New England beverage company in Orange. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the yeah. Orange uh, Trader Joe's Oh, right there. yeah. No, uh, Mario. 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 Yes. Yeah, Mario. Mario. Yeah. Mario, he saw me walking with Skylar. He was like, all right, just give this kid a couple of bucks. So he oh, no, no, no. Mario. That kid looks hungry over there. Yeah, right? yeah. I was, I was skinnier back then, too. So. We all know Mar Mario is, is probably, I don't know he's where he's at human. right now. Mario he's a great human. Cost me thousands and dollars of extra beer purchases. So we we store. all separately know Mario from our own walk really? in life. Yeah, from walking into that store, and he just like he he's he sees you, and he's like, "You're a beer lover." He's a and then he too. directs you to the beer that had walked in the door, and he loves and. Yeah, like his soft voice and his soft yes. mirror. Hey, I, I have this stuff in the back. Uh, yeah, I'm only selling it to people who. Uh, no, what's up? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He does that. He does that. Where is where is Mario? Much like him. Where is? I think he's still there. Um, they, down, so they downsized. They're they not there. They're at where Julia's Bakery. Yeah, they they downsized. They kind of wrapped around All the right. corner now. They're in the same lot though. Yeah, I, I, I didn't see Mario. Very specific location, like story here for everybody. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't see Mario last time. I, I if but you if go. you're in Orange in the Trader Joe's lot, you'll know, you'll know it when you see it. It's it's incredibly crowded. You won't <laughs> want to go there, but you should because a man named Mario yeah. is at a specific what is it called where you buy beverages of distributor. What? No. No, he's at a, he's a package, package store. store. Package ah, store. Yeah, yeah, a package store. store. Thank you. Well, I, so I find yourself yeah, he, he's, in Orange, he's, Connecticut. If you find yourself in New England, <laughs> it's called the, the Packy. Go to yeah. Trader Joe's. <laughs> might be the most hottest town in here. They're not liquor stores. Yeah. Most haunted hey. town in America, maybe. The hottest town. <laughs> Wait, oranges? I think it's the most haunted, yeah. Oh. Yeah, that's where the the Rain Warren's museum is. There's a bunch of haunted shit in Orange. Yeah, their house is here. Annabelle is was here it's in orange high. connecticut yeah so i think well, that's i think that's where anyway. i bought my first armada was at with under mario because i think he was pushing it right around that time yes that would that would make yeah i mean mario was a huge supporter of us mm -hmm. yeah absolutely he's a supporter of humans he is <laughs> anyhow so that's uh that's how it started yeah and that just kept going and then we got like a first employee and then and mike ended up being like a brewer and coming along i I feel like I was talking about, no, I was talking to a story about earlier today about Mikey. I thought I was talking to you about it. It's just me <laughs> in my head. Anyhow, uh, we got a few employees and it grew and it grew and it grew. We're self-distributing. We ended up buying a truck, getting employees and just continue to take out debt and continue to grow the company. And um, pandemic, you know, I, I feel like there's a lot to cover in that point, but I'm just going to kind of skip to like today. But you guys saw how it started. And that's yeah. really the start. So before yeah. before you did you got this place, I think it was twenty eighteen. Was that show? Mm -hmm. My band had a show down at uh, the barracks. No, the the space. Oh yes. outer space. Yes, yeah, yes. I I had them do a tap takeover of Armada. Then you came and you were the MC for the show that night. Was I? Yeah. 
Dude, bro, I must yeah. have been dumb. I must have been dumb. It, it was great. Yeah, was you did great. A, you did that a was a great on, night. Yeah, you did a, a full-on uh, interview with uh, Radio 104, like live while they were, we were there. Gosh. <laughs> Dude, so things like this, I was like, I, I don't remember. I mean, I'm sure I was appropriate. No, you, no, you were great. You <laughs> okay, were, you yeah. Were awesome. <laughs> you were awesome. Uh, we, obviously. Yeah, it's such a blur. All, I think everybody but her was at that show. and Marlo. Yeah, Marlo, sorry. I was out of town. So I know, I know, true. I know. But we were all at the show. And, you know, whenever I think of doing something that supports the local thing with beer, you are always the first guy that I think of. Oh, that's that's yeah. very kind words. Well, anyway, yeah, we, I mean, we did that. And that was, a, that, that was a ton of fun for us. I know he had a great time at that show. Oh, Scott yeah. won, I think, everything. I won every prize raffle. that night. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> You were calling the raffle that night. He won every prize. Yeah. <laughs> Man, I kind of feel embarrassed because I no, don't no. remember a damn thing, but I know like, it's like, no, no. sounds like something to be a part of. Yeah. It was, a, it was a lot of fun and we still appreciate your support that day too. Yeah. So bringing it back to the present, this is where we're at right now. This yeah. location is a labor of love, obviously. So fast forward. Building. Yeah. Fast forward a bunch of years. Um, during that time, we kept looking for properties. So we we officially became like a gypsy brewery. We didn't really have a home throughout that early stages. <laughs> we were brewing out of another place. We were doing all the manufacturing, everything. And throughout the years, we were continuously looking for places to open up. We wanted our own tap room. We always wanted it tiny in terms of like production wise. As, as great as the idea is like having a 30 barrel brew house sounds, it's a lot of commitment out there. I always wanted something tiny, tiny and niche, and I could do a lot of turnover. Funny enough, I kept driving up and down the street for years. Yeah. I had looked at 90 River Street. I looked at 36 River Street. I looked at the building that used to exist right here, and it no longer does. <laughs> I just kept driving. Yeah, I, I've also seen other places in New Haven. I checked in West Haven. I was like in Brantford. I looked all around, but I could never find something that like really spoke to me. Mm-hmm. And uh, the pandemic happened. We're kind of bored sitting in the house a lot more, playing more video games and more time on Google. So they're not a sponsor. <laughs> <laughs> so just randomly searching things up. And uh, I think there was something down the street. It was over on James Street that I looked up. And on the way, I looked at the property. I thought it sucked. And then on the way back, I saw a for rent sign on this building. I was like, oh. It's like, oh, this might be the one. So I, I like took a picture. I went home. I looked up the realtor broker or whatever, and I was able to get something from them. Uh, and then we uh, found this space. I did a, a, a walkthrough of it, and it was completely bare bones, brick, wood, floors, not these floors, uh, and, and then <laughs> yeah. the, the stone downstairs, which was all torn up. There used to be actually like safes behind you, brick safes, a lot of things. And we came in here, bare bones, no electricity, no water, no heat. Wow. Shoot. I came in and I said, I looked at the building. I was like, we can make this really cool. It's beautiful. Yeah. And a lot of people were like, well, what? I was like, <laughs> yeah. I was like, I, I want to do this. Originally, the idea was the tap room would only be upstairs oh. with the brewery being production. But then because you have to be ADA compliant, you need to be offer customers a place uh, wheelchair accessibility. You need to have it. And we like to get an elevator, like, oh, yeah, fine. We'll get an elevator. But then you go to your elevator, it's like 200 grand. Yeah. yeah. And then we also needed two staircases. So when they told us we needed two staircases plus an elevator, we're like, nope, we got to change the plan up. 
So that's when we decided to do the tap room downstairs as our main tap room and then do this as a private space upstairs. So the room that we're all in is called the Queen's Lounge. And so we use it as a private event space. We do um, a live entertainment here from time to time. It's ticketed, private. And then we have our offices in that area. But originally the whole, the whole idea when I first came in here was much different. And it was, would allow for a lot more storage space and a lot more production, but it, it kind of kept me in check. And I think it <laughs> felt, I actually think it does better. Even though we had to spend a lot more money to like make two tap rooms instead of one, right. uh, it ended up working out for us because the downstairs is cool. Like we have this open air environment. The doors open up on both sides. It's like a, I call it like a little bat cave in the summer. It's yeah. like, it could be a hundred degrees outside, but inside it's like, it's cool and nice and whatnot. Yeah. Uh, we don't have to worry about air conditioning or none of that garbage. Upstairs, like I said, we did private events. And then we, we have production down in the corner over there. Mm-hmm. And we produce just enough beer to keep the taps flowing. And anything else, we just, you know, we have contracted at the barracks still and whatnot at their overshores. That makes sense. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. I did I did do a show at the Beer X two yeah. months ago. I was playing a show there and I saw all the Armada stuff and I went, that's still, oh. yeah, that's still there from yeah. like just time in time, like from time. But yeah. yeah, we, we, if there's something we need overproduction of and we need to, we, we go to them, but right now we're able to sustain enough production here to keep our taps filled in small distro portions. Yeah. I do yeah. see you around the, around different places in the state. Yeah. Still. So I think, I don't know what the barrelage count is, but we can we could produce a significant amount of beer here. Yeah, we have enough space to do it. Surprisingly, considering that it's like it's six thousand square feet, and three of it is tap room space. You know, two of its production, we can we can do a lot here. So it, it works out for us. But so, anyways, I, I can't. I, yeah, that's how I found this spot. With City New Haven, helped me us helped us out a lot. Great. Yeah, it was it, it worked out well. Worked out very very well. Yeah. So it's a nice location. I mean, you, you outfitted it really well. You came in and made really nice spaces. This is this is beautiful. It's an old like 1800s building. It's yeah. 1860s. I believe that's the earliest year that someone has claimed it. Yeah. It was a former Bigelow Boiler Company. They made boilers for really tea. No, tea? that's a no? Bigelow Tea. That's a different company. Oh no. It's Bigelow Boilers. So they made all the Thank boilers you. that run like the schools and the Empire State Building, like no famous you. like water tube boilers. Yeah, they designed all that technology. I feel like they must be related though. Like Bigelow, Bigelow Boilers. Too. It is the Connecticut. I think it's Norwalk. Uh, there is some rumor that apparently people used to buy tea in this area. So maybe that like, I don't know, the tea was a side hustle of the sun. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, who knows? <laughs> I, I do yeah, have I, boilers tea. Maybe. I do have one question. When yeah. you were, when you were brewing at home, did you ever? Oh, my first question is, where did you put your fermenter? And did you ever have a fermenter blow up on you in that space? Because I've heard horror stories of people starting to homebrew and kind of getting the feeling for it, and the fermenter will just explode and cause a mess. No, everywhere. so the so the fermenters never exploded, but uh, they do. They, it's called like it's called blow off. Yeah, right. So you have to compensate because you're making a five gallon batch in a si- like a six gallon fermenter, and there's a thing called like croissant that happens. It's an active process of fermentation, right. and that croissant will oh, like want to go somewhere. Most like homebrew kits give you like a little. Yeah, check valve, right? Yeah, it's like a check valve. Yeah. I can't remember what they're called. Oh, with the funny. water with the water. Yeah, in it? yeah, just, I, it's a, it's a water yeah, tube I, something. I can't remember what it's called. Name Man, I worked at a homebrew store for freaking five years. I can't remember <laughs> the equipment. We're just testing you, honestly. Yeah, I know. Yeah, 
uh, have that, that piece, you put it on top, but that thing gets clogged yep. like right away. So what they're talking about is the pressure would build up because that thing would get clogged. It would blow the lid off of the fermenters. For sure. Yeah. I, um, I just never went with that route. I just went with like a glass carboy with a big, like I kid you not, like a one inch tube into a bucket of like water. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah. Smart. We just never went yeah. that route. We always went with like those, there's like big fermenter. They're, they're called carboys. So we went with that route, but yeah. yes, I've heard horror stories. I've seen heart horror stories. Yeah. I've seen people's scars from like picking up these things. They have glass ones that like shatter on yep. them. And it's like literally a true horror story of like picking those things up. I'm, I've definitely broken them. Yeah. Uh, I remember me and my friend Thomas, there's a video. I think it's somewhere <laughs> on like Instagram or Facebook that of us, we spent a whole brew day and it was like, 98 degrees outside oh. it was so freaking hot and we made this whole beer and we put them into a glass carboy and oh, no. we're out there and i pick it up and the door had shut on like the screen door had shut to where we were going to put these carboys and so i was like oh well, let me just put the carboy down real quick and i put it down on the freaking concrete and it just the whole bottom just gave out and thomas looks at me he goes fuck yeah. <laughs> just, just one after the other after the other just dropping them like shit 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 boom 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 and so I was like oh god I was like I'm so sorry dude like I don't know what to tell you like I didn't mean to do it. he's like we just spent six hours you know and we it's funny enough we filmed the entire thing yeah. and we had a GoPro we were like fooling around we were like doing things we had this great day and we filmed the moment that it broke and just like I'm carrying, I have the GoPro like on my head or whatever. And it's like, I was like, oh, blink. And like that little, it's like there must have been a little pebble on the ground. Yeah. Just shattered an entire glass carboy. But I was holding it by a handle. So like the handle was still in my hand and the carboy just, just gone. The, the orange handle that like yes, wraps little orange, around. Yeah, it wraps around it. Just completely disintegrated the entire thing. I was like, whoops. Ooh. And then there's footage of me later taking like, because he was pissed. Uh, he was clearly pissed off. So eventually to cheer things up, I took a bucket of water and just doused him in a bucket of water. Yeah. <laughs> he lives out in Michigan right now. He's a great kid. We and him worked at the homebrew store together, but yes. Anyways, glass <laughs> car boys. Don't do them. Jeez. Wow. Yep. Homebrew nightmares. Wow. Yeah. That should be a podcast. <laughs> homebrew, homebrew nightmares. nightmares. Homebrew yeah. nightmares. Horror stories. So you can hear them all. Probably start a Netflix special on it. Not a sponsor. <laughs> Dude, those, like, those glass carboys are sharp. Yeah. That's thick. It's like half inch glass. I mean, why not just use a bucket? Like, why, why would you use because a glass Because people are like, oh, I'm going to pick up chemical. You know, it's I guess, the, yeah. you know, the chemicals the plastic, and plastic, plastic, plastic and whatnot. Yeah, I get yeah. it. But yeah, the problem is like once you score the plastic, then you get like. Possible contamination yeah. points too. Yeah, it's very difficult to clean. Oh, That's yeah. true. Yeah. Contamination points. Is that something I should worry about in D&D? Contamination. <laughs> Contamination points. Yes. <laughs> well, I, I appreciate you guys coming on through here. And, yeah, uh, we thank you very much. So I, I do have one last yeah, question before you uh, head out. What would you say is your flagship beer at this point? So the Savage Queen Double IPA is by far the biggest selling beer that we make. Uh, next to that would be our Mermaid Cove IPA. And then from there, it would be Neptune's Dagger and some of the other like uh, seasonal brands that we make. 
Big yawn. <laughs> All my best friends are hopheads. Is be like the the fourth. So there's that's a collab we made with Beard Brewing. It's like a perma collab. We just keep pushing it out. It's a reference to Lesson Jake. People like it. They yeah, get it. I got yeah. that. And uh, <laughs> yeah, they love it. People love that beer. And originally we thought it was gonna be a one time thing. And they were like, oh, we'll make it a second time. And then they're like, can we get more? And we're like, oh, we'll make it a third time. And then just kept going and going and going. And then finally, we're like, I talked to beer. I was like, yeah, I'm just going to make it all the time. And they're like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> it's, it's a great label. It's great branding. Like, yeah. why waste it on just a one-time release? So no yeah. it works out for well for us. I guess to kick off that, what's your favorite beer that you brew? That's, that's a tough question, I feel like, because yeah. you got to have a little bit of love in all of them to a certain extent, right? I mean, there's beers that we make that I don't ever drink. Yeah. So it's not, it's, it's just, I'm not into that. I like to drink in session. I like to be able to drink all day. I like to be able to drink a lot with my friends and family. And sometimes people question me and they're like, I, I, dude, you've had like four of those. I'm like, yeah, they're 3%. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yes. There's yes, they're not much going on in there. And yeah. they're like, it's been 3% beers. I've had four of them and it's been, Six, six hours, hours yeah. you know? it's like, a, it's it's like, like a kombucha it's it is like healthy it's, it, yes it's yeah. you know i'm just yeah. getting enough in and you know I, you self-regulate but um my favorite beer is be like everything that we make that's light i know it's so vague but like i love our tomb of the pharaoh's pilsner i love our legion of the damn czech pale lager mm. in the winter time i was drinking a lot of our sorcerer's temple dunkel lager Ooh, um yeah. these are all like five percent four percent beers uh, and that's everything we make here for the most part. We try to keep like in that range, mm -hmm. but you know, when you make IPAs, you gotta, you gotta, gotta beef it up. Yeah. We have a mild ale that's 3.2% downstairs. That, that one's is, really good. Yeah. yeah. Like, I think you're drinking it right now. I'm not, but I've had oh, it before. What are you drinking? Oh, it's, oh, it's Eternal oh, Black Hunt. Eternal yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So we try to keep everything really low ABV. I think that it just makes more sense as a consumer base too, is like, now you want to hang out with your friends. You don't want to feel toasted after one beer. Mm -hmm. You want to kind of go with it. Lager houses or beer halls typically serve low ABV beers. And most of the most, sorry, most of the world-renowned famous beers are all low ABV as well. Mm -hmm. So the things that people go to and seek out worldwide, yeah. I should say. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I feel like I... I may have done this to myself, but it felt like there was a period of time where it was kind of a competition of who could put as much gas on the fire as they could. So let's just make it as higher alcohol content as we can yeah, and see see what we can do. And so they ended up in this kind of pigeonhole of a lot of IPAs coming out that were like 7 8%. And that seemed like it was a trend for, I don't know, a year or two. Maybe that's just me. Again, it maybe I was just like hanging out. four years. Yeah. yeah. And that was a thing for a while. And now it feels like the whole market is adjusting. And maybe you can speak to it better than I can, Johnny. But maybe the whole market feels like it's adjusted back to... Let's do a few lagers. Let's do a few ales, and then let's do ten IPAs. <laughs> it feels like a lot. Of, a lot of brewers are still kind of doing that, but they are dabbling in in the lower ABV, the lower alcohol content that are that are a lot easier to drink. I think, mm -hmm. especially in like the New England IPA craze, is a little overwhelming for all of us now. We just wanted to go away and get the ales back. <laughs> New England IPA, yeah. <laughs> yeah. don't not completely go away. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I think that is I think that's pretty true to a lot of the tap rooms you go into is I've, I've been to them myself. Uh, and hopefully we don't ever come to a point where at that point, yeah, I, I'm, I'm saying that while biting my tongue. Cause I think right now we have like four IPAs on right now. <laughs> we have 12 draft lines. And I saw a look it, on your face. I was like, Oh uh, no, man, this guy's pushing IPAs yeah, all the time. <laughs> I know. Uh, I actually well, bite my tongue. On that. But is, no, the is thing is um, we built the, the venue 
with the intention of like always having four loggers on draft. We have like two loggering tanks that are downstairs. Mm-hmm. We have four Luker side pours on both of our uh, draft lines. Uh, we always saw the intention of having a lot of low ABV loggers or even like English style beers to be on draft. Love that. And so you're catching us at a kind of a weird time of this interview (laughs) because now I'm thinking about, I'm like, I just put on the fourth IPA the other day and it wasn't, it wasn't an intentional loop around is because that's like, you can have, we have like a West coast IPA on, we have a new England IPA. Then we just have like a a Midwest IPA. Then we have a black IPA, which a black IPA isn't like, you know, a, a big popular beer, but we have it Those and are, it's, it was just a collab we made and, you know, it's. Absolutely. Absolutely. Love that beer. Delicious. Those, those are my, like my favorite IPAs are like black IPAs and that kind of. It, but yeah. of the 12 draft lines, that's just, that's the four. And then the other eight are, you know, we have a Porter, we have a blonde, we have sour, a sour, two sours two right sours, now. Yeah. Um, we also have Mexican lager, Mexican lager, awesome. Belgian yeah. wet, Belgian, Belgian wet. wet. So yeah. there's a lot going on. Uh, and we keep it primarily diverse. Uh, a lot of the times that, probably the, one of the biggest compliments we get is the fact that we don't have 12 IPAs <laughs> on a 12 right. draft line right. system. Not, not everybody is a hop head, but there's a lot of really good beers out there that aren't necessarily hop focused. So yeah. it's, it's great that you guys have so, such a variety. It's, it's awesome. Yeah. A lot of good beers. Thank you. It's a, Thank you. It's, it's, it's a wide yeah. world. You got to have a lot of variety. Uh, any other questions? Do you have any questions for us or? I don't know. I th- yeah. thank you so much for having us. Like no, actually, thanks for being like. Yeah, yeah. We're not that interesting. <laughs> I have a question. What's your favorite character of all of your characters? So the Copper Scrolls character is Farah. She's an archer and she's also a hunter. She's kind of like my version of like Laura Croft Tomb Raider. Yeah, but to, like the Tomb Raider, Laura Croft is a lot like sexualized. You know, she's like this badass. She's kind of like a split of. Is it Scarlet? Who's the one one in um, Hunger Games? Katniss. Oh, uh, Katniss Everdeen. Um, Jay Law. J- Jennifer, Lo- Jennifer Lawrence. Lawrence. Yeah. So Jennifer, Lo- she's like a, a blend of like Jennifer Lawrence meets like Tomb Raider. She's she's my favorite character. I don't think the label speaks enough to that character identity. Um, I would like it to improve more, and maybe we'll do a revamping of it. But Farah was her name. We have a whole name for her and everything. We're like. But she was supposed to be like, it's called the Copper Scrolls, and she was supposed to be like the Huntress, you mm-hmm. know, and uh, maybe we'll give her a new identity and or keep her, because Copper Scrolls is a brand, but she just happens to be in that photo. Mm-hmm. And I think what we'll do is we're going to just do a whole thing where we make an entire just beer for her called, like I said, the Huntress or something else. Yeah. Yeah. I like That's that. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. That, I mean, she's my favorite character. The Knight's Executioner is pretty badass. You got that one. I, over I, I plan to order yeah. that artwork when I refinish my office. Yeah, that would be that'd be a good addition. The Knight's Executioner, actually, all of them, they all have a little bit of love in my head. But I think Farrah is my, my first love because she came out before a lot of them. I think in the world of D&D, she would be a rogue, right? Maybe? Love rogues. Right? Rogue Ranger hybrid, yeah. probably. Yeah, something along that, that realm. Yeah. She's the rogue. She's Are you a rogue? A rogue, <laughs> a rogue yeah. <laughs> I love it. Good stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they like said thanks. Thank you again for having me. No, for, ha- having no. Thank you for having us. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, all right. Sure. Down. You're welcome. <laughs> Anytime. <laughs> Just let me know when you want to record. Your wedding. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm yeah. gonna go. I'll go focus on that, and then uh, on the next one, I'd be down to uh, join in for a sash. Yeah. 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 That yeah. Sounds we got to have totally. the the crew fly in though. That's fine. Yeah. yeah we're not gonna or do no. Do that. 
we're actually very good about doing this virtually. Yeah, uh, really? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. We got no, camera, no, cameras, no, we'll Discord, cameras. Yeah, we got everything. Bring them in. Bring, Hell in. Yeah. bring them in. Yeah. I love it. I'm, we'll fly in. We'll figure it out. Yeah. yeah. We'll do it. Within reason. Velo. That's awesome. Yeah, Velo. Yeah. Right to New Haven. <laughs> not a sponsor. Not a sponsor. Yeah, right. Maybe a sponsor. <laughs> I don't know. Beep. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks again, yeah. y'all. Yeah, yeah thanks a lot, Johnny. Congratulations. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Have fun. Enjoy tomorrow. We're going to party it up. Yeah. Yeah. I love you. Thanks, Johnny. Cheers. Thank you. Cheers.